Hey guys, it's Belle. Welcome back to Go From Here. I am so, so, so very excited to introduce my next guest that I actually asked through Instagram. I asked him a question because I read one of his posts and I didn't think that he would answer, and he did. And then I asked him if I could have him as a guest on the podcast and also did not think that he would answer. And then he did and directed me to his wonderful assistant, Ryan. And we connected from there. And this amazing, incredible, mind-blowing conversation came out of it. His name is Traver Bohm, and he's the founder of Uncivilized Men's Movement. He's the author of Today I Rise and Man Uncivilized. He's a two-time TED speaker, which I will link in the description because you guys need to watch these talks. It's They're amazing. He's a men's coach, and he also has his own podcast, which again, will be linked in the description. I know you guys are going to have your minds blown away from this conversation, as well as me having my own mind blown over and over and over and over and over again. So I hope you guys enjoy. Okay, bye. But yes, I just wanted to say thank you so much for for being on the podcast. It, it means a lot that um, you're a social media influencer uh, who responds to Instagram questions. <laughs> All day. All day. All day. Yeah, I, I try to like, I've had to now space it out just because I've gotten busier and busier and busier and this whole thing has grown and grown and grown. But it started out as that was my philosophy. If someone asked me a question, I'd answer it. Um, that means a lot, actually. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, I'm so grateful for the fact that you um, even agreed to be on my podcast because, I mean, I'm just starting out. So it's, it's I thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. I was once starting out too, <laughs> as I'm um, sure you can imagine. So I watched your TED Talk, the first one you've ever done. Okay. And then I watched the second one and the second one, uh, sorry, the first one made me tear up remembering mm. it during your second TED talk Yeah, because you had told everyone that you immediately after your first TED talk, you had gone off stage and started to cry because it yeah. was, there was just so much going on and yeah. the amount of strength that it took to listen to you talk about your first TED talk. I mean, how can I ask how you even like why even do the TED Talk when it was so hard? It's a great question. Thank you. I was in the middle of what was called the Year to Live project, where I was living the entire year as if it were my last one alive. And so that's a big thing to drop, right? It's yeah. it wasn't for me, it wasn't just like a fun weekend exercise or a hobby. Uh, I dedicated an entire year of my life to the exploration and, and, pra and practice and embodiment, and then also the sharing of publicly sharing living that year as if it were my last. So I got a call maybe three, four months prior to TED 
And it was Kimberly Weil, the woman whose arms I fell into and started sobbing after saying, Mm -hmm. do you want to do this? And initially I said, no, I don't. Uh, I can't, I can't handle it. It's too much. I'm in the middle of too much turmoil. I'm in the middle of too much transition. Uh, I just don't have the, like the physical wherewithal to stand on a stage that big and share my soul. Yeah. And I hung up with her and then sat there bell for like an hour just saying well wait a minute um if i'm living if this if i'm really going all in on this if this isn't just something that i'm creating so someday i can write a book about it then yeah i would stand on that stage i would leave a legacy i would leave something behind me that's bigger than me that would help people and affect people and so i called her back maybe an hour later and said you know what i'll do it Uh, This scares the shit out of me, but I'll do it. So it was more of adopting, I guess what I would call like a service mindset. Mm -hmm. So much of that year was the reminder. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. In the midst of going through shit, that was all about me. Going Mm -hmm. through divorce, going through a business breakup, going through recovering from a miscarriage. All of it was so hard. And yet it was a relief almost to say like every day I focus, I'm focusing on my problems and my challenges and my trauma and my whatever, mm-hmm. that when I got to shift my perspective a bit and say, what can I give back here? Is there an opportunity to give back here? Is there an opportunity to serve here? Uh, it was a no brainer. Yeah, it was still scary. Yeah, right? It was still hard, but it was a no brainer that I would do it. And I'm so grateful that I did do it. It was one of the defining moments of my life. and this is secondary, but one of the defining moments of my career. Uh, And so much of what I do now is based on the work that led up to that talk and also people who know that talk and therefore found me uh, professionally. Mm -hmm. I I can hear the the passion you have behind what you do. And I, I admire it so much because it's, it's difficult to push through a challenge and the, the title of one of your TED Talks was how to make pain your guru. And yeah. I, I at first was very skeptical of, of what that meant and what that was going to mean when I was listening to your TED Talk. Um, but it was, it was so mind opening for me to understand that pain is something that teaches us something if we're willing to listen to it. For sure. Um, and I never thought of it that way. I thought pain was there to hurt me. I thought pain was there to remind me that I had all these flaws and, and negative aspects about myself that I didn't want to like reach down and really look into. Yeah, um, I get that. So I, I, I wanted to ask about like, why, like, how did you get there? You were meditating for 28 days in pitch darkness during that one year. I mean, how do you even get to that? It was really the frame of that exploration bell, which was, what would I do if it were my last year alive? And and that question, when a lot of people hear it, think like, okay, this is fun to talk about. It's fun to make a bucket list. You know, it's almost like a like a new age privilege list of like, I want to see the Eiffel Tower. I want to have a threesome. I want to make a million dollars. I want to write a book. But really, I was coming back to what would I actually do? Like, what would I actually do? And 
obviously I was, you know, fingers crossed. I wasn't going to die on the last night of the, the project. Right. And I don't have a terminal illness. So it was, it was made up. But a big part of this was an exploration of death and an exploration. You know, I volunteered in hospice for almost the entire year. Yes, you did. So I was surrounded by death. I had just lost a pregnancy. I was initiated. I'd never lost anything of significance in my life up to that point. I just had a marriage ended or end very quickly and without any say on my part. So right. it, it felt like death was all around me. I just ended a business partnership, ended a relationship with a community that I spent seven years of my life building. So I felt like I needed to step into this space that no one really talks about here in the West right? yeah. of loss, of pain, of suffering, of death, and really of death. Yeah. We have a pill for all of it. We have, now we have Instagram to go to when we're upset. We have sex, drugs, exercise, shopping. We have everything at our fingertips, yet we we don't, as a culture, talk about the hard shit. So, you know, I went into that room, into the dark room, because I was in a men's group with a guy who'd done it a number of times, and he simply said this, if you want to experience death without dying, then do a dark retreat. And I went, okay, this, this fits with what I'm doing. Right. I want to know what it's like to at rock bottom, start peeling back even more layers. And at, at this huge, like, what are, the, what are the gifts in that? And that's where I'm, I said, pain is your guru. Not because I'm a psychopath or a masochist, but really if I'm on rock bottom and there's something underneath that that I can explore, then I might as well do it while I'm here so I don't ever have to come back to rock bottom. Does yeah. that make sense? Like I didn't want to lose the opportunity of, okay, if I feel this bad, I'm this hurt, I'm hurting this much. And yet now I have the opportunity to start asking myself the question, if my pain could start speaking to me, if it could start informing me, if we could create a relationship together where I could learn from it, then I wanna do that now while pain's still living in my house. Right. Before it moves out and I start having, I, then I get to learn from joy. Then I get to learn from satisfaction. Then I get to learn from being in love again. Like all of these states have lessons in them. Yeah. The challenge here in the West is we avoid the lessons of pain. We avoid the lessons of death. We avoid the lessons of darkness. So, and, and at the time, Bell, like this was five, six years ago. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just following my intuition. And so now I really have an understanding that, okay, there is information in pain. There's a, a host of information in darkness. Death is probably the most informative subject that we're afraid to study. We're afraid yeah. to talk about or afraid to look at, or even afraid to acknowledge. So really it was, you know, it was a spiritual quest that I didn't ask for, but yet I created that still to this day is informing my work. So um, it was necessary, I think, just for the point of my life and for the position I would step into over the next couple of years and the things I would teach on. And it's not an uncommon journey, right, to have the conventional life kind of get flushed down the toilet. Yeah. And then someone emerges from the toilet going like, oh, I actually want to teach. I want to write. I want to speak. I want to open a kindergarten. I want to be a surf instructor in Costa Rica. I want to whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes the like. The, the, the getting ripped out of the matrix, kicking and screaming uh, before those possibilities are allowed. Absolutely. I, I, will, I do want to say, though, that um, 
I need to give you a lot of credit for sounding very humble about taking yourself out of such a dark, incredibly challenging space. That's not easy for anybody. Um, and, and for you to talk about it with so much compassion and grace is making me, um, like my perspective is changing just listening to you. And I, I, I would like to ask to, to be able to do something like that, to, because I've, I've read over and over again and time and time again, hurt people hurt people. Sure. I've written it. And, and, and I think, I think that's easier to do than to take yourself and reach down and understand what it is that's hurting you and make something more productive and, and beneficial for yourself because you don't have to look into dark places for yourself. You just go about and hurt other people. Sure. Hearing from you though, that you decided that you want to serve other people because of the darkness that you've experienced. How, like, I can't even wrap my mind around how I would have been able to do that. I don't really know the answer to that though. I, I this is the, like, this is what came into me and came through me. And I imagine matched with some level of my constitution. Um, yeah, I don't know how, like why I didn't just become a drunk, right? I remember going yeah. to therapy early on in this whole sort of mess and walking into the therapist's office and he's he says to me straight up you're the first person who's ever come here and who has gotten himself quote sober in the midst of a divorce and a breakdown not gotten himself into drugs and alcohol in the midst of a divorce or breakdown mm-hmm. and I couldn't answer that I can't tell you why it just is what, like this stuff came through me and I don't want to get weird on everybody, no. but I, I remember like sitting on my couch alone when my ex had left and realizing like, I'm in the middle of a, of a am I allowed to swear? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, like, I'm in the middle of a fucking shit storm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm in, this is, this is a, like, people make movies about shit like this. I'm in the middle of a story I don't want to be in. And then what came out of that or what came immediately after that was insight that I will tell you about. I don't know where the hell it came from. It wasn't from my like Connecticut white up, you know, standard, whatever conventional upbringing. It just, this information like flew into me and these, these ideas and downloads and, and even whispers of hearing someone say like, you have to hang on, you're gonna be okay. This is actually the, and it wasn't the word initiation, but it felt like that. Yeah. This is what you actually have to go through in order to live this life that you've been dreaming about and thinking about. And on some level, knew was possible and existed, but you didn't have the ability to grasp. Yeah. And so that was this horrible, yet comforting, settling feeling of like, okay, I have to live through this. I, I, I just have to. Yeah. And I don't know where the rest of it came from. You know, I was, I was obviously like consuming as much information as I could. I was reading books. I was listening to lectures, but I also had a background that was kind of weird. You know, I started reading Carolyn Mace's work in my twenties as, and I was a not on a spiritual path. I wasn't going to acupuncture school. I was like a 22 year old ex collegiate water polo player yeah. p- picking up Carolyn Mace and be like, wow, 
anatomy of the spirit. How interesting. Right. Wow. There's this thing called the soul. How interesting. <laughs> right. So like the seeds were kind of planted, yeah. but yet I fought those seeds so hard and just created a very, very conventional life for myself. One that I also wasn't okay in, but didn't know. Yeah. Like, I, think, I thought everybody drinks a couple nights a week. Everybody smokes a lot of dope. Like everybody jerks off to porn a lot. Like everybody exercises three times a day and has five business ideas and can't sleep and is an insomniac. And like, isn't this just normal? Right, right. So, and I didn't, no one was in my life who would say, hey, do you realize that there's two different things happening here and you need to integrate them both so that you actually become okay in the world? Right. Like your psyche and your soul are trying to go right and your ego and your talents are trying to take you left. And in between the two, you're stuck in the middle in a little bit of a mess. So it was, I, I don't know how to answer your question other than I'm so grateful that that was the decision that came in and it just felt right. Yeah. Like I had so many of my friends at the time were like, dude, start, like, let's take you out. Let's get you drunk. Let's get you laid. Yeah. Let's get you like, go start another gym, you know, get, get back on the horse. Like let's, you know, fuck it. This happened. So what? Like give yourself three months, go on vacation yeah. <laughs> and, and get back in the game. Yeah. And yet I just had this intuitive sense that there's so much more and this is such an opportunity. And if I lose or blow this opportunity, I will be right back here in five years. And That's I just incredible. did not want to do that. Wow. And now, you know, five years, six years later, five years later, actually, my life is so radically different than it was in that iteration. And I can tell you wholeheartedly, this is what I wanted to be doing. Yeah. I didn't know about men's work. I didn't know I was never like, that was a whole thing out of left field, but I wanted to be speaking. I wanted to be writing. I wanted to write books. I wanted to affect people. I wanted to be comfortable in my own skin. I wanted a conscious relationship. I wanted to own my power. I wanted to own my weirdness. I wanted to own my darkness. Yeah. On some level, I can look back and go, oh, this is how I wanted to exist. Yeah. But I, I was trapped. That's incredible. I. Does that make sense? Yeah. Rambling. No, it, it, okay, it's, good. there's, there's a lot of, I, there's a lot of silence in my responses because I'm processing something that I, as a human being can't imagine doing myself. Um, yeah. and yet you make me want to do it. Like if, if I were ever in a place of where I just felt like I can't do this anymore, instead of thinking, you know, I'll go out and like you just said, like drink and do drugs and have sex with everybody I would rather think of I would want to be in a different place in my life five years down the line than I am right now yeah and and that's you know I try to tell this I, I speak to so many men now who are in transition I speak to a lot of women as well and say I'm so sorry this happened to you and congratulations yeah you are literally we don't talk about initiation in the west no. Yeah, like if you want this process to be an initiation, it can be. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what you need to know. An initiation is a controlled death. So you're going to feel like shit. You're going to feel worse than that. You're going to, you're going to literally turn into that damn butterfly analogy where the moth turns into complete goo. 
right cocoon it's just not just like yeah yesterday i was a moth today i'm a butterfly like <laughs> nope you have like three months of just feeling like utter shit and like it's never gonna end it's only getting worse you don't know who you are no one can relate to you you can't relate to your life and then oh i feel one percent better yeah oh yeah. i see the outline of a wing but if, if, we, if we talked about it more openly, what you'd realize is 90% of the population goes through this. Yes. The challenge is only 10 of them come out the other side. The other 90% just drink, smoke, fuck, exercise, shop, whatever they want and stop the process. Yeah. And then they have to come back and do it over again in a different format. Yeah. And the majority of the time they don't. Exactly. Exactly. How, how do you talk to people who are on that path of transition and, and to help them see the other side? Like, that's incredibly difficult to see when you're in it. It is, I think part of the actual part of the process is that it's impossible to see in it. I think that like comes with it, right? Like you, you can't actually, you know, like after women give birth, they, they're like flooded with oxytocin when they see their kids so that they'll actually do that again. Yeah. I think it's like part of this process is like, it's, it's like archetypal that you're going to think that it'll never end. It's like part of the deal. Otherwise you'd hold on to hope. Yeah. And that hope would keep you from going full, through the full transformation. So the answer to your question is I do it with a lot of compassion and say like, Hey, here's what it was like for me a normal standard issue, you know, 5'10", bald, East Coast white boy. <laughs> this is what it like was zero spiritual training or zero, you know, except for meditation, maybe. This is what it's like for the now thousands of people who I've talked to who are just like you. Have grace, have compassion, tap into something that is mysterious, tap into the mystery become comfortable with the unknown, right? So much of, of, of a transformational process is antithetical to how we live. Yeah. How do we live? And I'll be guilty of it too. Like we love control. Yes, absolutely. Right? Like I get up every morning and have a cup of coffee because it gives me a sense that like I can actually, I have control over some part of my day. Yes. And yet the transformational process is where we lose complete control. Yeah. We are, in, we are in control of 0.00% of it, except for holding our state in check from time to time. So I try to surround people too, right? Like I run a, a huge men's organization and we'll tell guys like, okay, cool, you're in it, good. Let's get these three guys to now be your buddies. They're gonna tell you, yep, I know exactly where you are. Yeah. Yep, I was there too. And just that bell, just realizing like, oh, a couple guys before me have gone through this, okay, cool. And you guys seem to be doing okay. Actually, you seem to be doing a lot better than I was before this. That's really interesting. Oh, cool. Yeah. You can tell me, you know, where I am in the process. Okay. Okay. Now at least I can take like two breaths without feeling like I'm going to throw up thinking that it's never going to end and my life is now over. And everything I thought that was true yesterday is no longer true today. Yeah. So really it's just compassion and grace. And this is a, I know it's a super loaded term, but like tapping into the feminine parts of your life, tapping into the patience, like women get pregnant. You guys literally have no control over that. 
when it yeah. happens. If you're not yeah. like, well, I don't really feel like having cramps today. Well, I don't really feel like being nauseous today. Well, we're at the three month mark and this kid's kind of annoying. So I'm just going to have the baby today. But yeah. You don't have to do any of that. So it's really tapping into that understanding. That's like, it's in all of our DNA. Yeah. The willingness to go, okay, while everything around me is spinning and out of control and feels terrible, I'm just going to breathe. I'm just going to make a practice of holding myself. I'm actually going to be the compassion that I didn't get from the outside world. I'm going to, I'm going to tap, I'm going to read books about spirituality because this is a, a normal process. Yeah. In that world. Like, I'm not going to go to my boss at my accounting firm and say like, Hey man, this is what I, like, I woke up yesterday and everything that I thought to be true isn't true. Yeah. Do you have any advice for me? Like <laughs> there's, there's like a language and a set of information and a set of energies that actually apply to this situation. It's just not the conventional Western language information set of energies. So you also have to tap into a bit of that. Yeah. I think it's, it's so interesting how you, you brought up like a sense of community between men and, and you are the founder of the uncivilized men's movement. So yeah. thank you for that on behalf of all men and women. My pleasure. Um, I am curious to know and understand the type of men that join that movement because I am, I'm kind of like a guy's girl. So a lot of my close, my best friends are all men. Okay. And I'm very close to my brother and, you know, my, my significant other is a very like manly person. Um, and a lot of the men in my life don't tap into what you had just quoted the, the, their feminine traits. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of it is, you know, we don't talk about our feelings and, you know, we, we, we don't talk to each other about like what you girls talk about or whatever they think I talk about with my girlfriends. Mm -hmm. Um, how, like, how does one as a male or not even a, a male, but like someone who identifies as a male, sure. um, like find that space to be open to a community of men who talk about their feelings and, and look into their feminine traits. Like, how do we get guys to, to get in there or what do they do when they get in there? I, I guess a little bit of both because they like to, to get in there, they have to find you and be open to that. Right. Yeah. So it's a great question. I'll share with you. I just did a workshop. Uh, it ended yesterday here in Colorado and we had 25 men in a house for four days doing everything from light wrestling to working through some of the deepest, deepest traumas. So as in, guys literally just sobbing their eyes out on the floor while 10 other men hold them, which oh. sounds, you know, terrifying to a lot of guys, yeah. but truly is the work that's needed in the world. And we had guys who literally just said, I don't know why I'm here. Uh, I read your book. I listened to your book on a run and I immediately came back and just said, I don't know what we're gonna do this weekend. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm signing up because I know I need this on some level. Yeah. So it's that opening bell of, I know I need this on some level. And so when I talk to men and I'm, you know, I'm an ex cage fighter, I'm an ex bodyguard, I'm an ex CrossFit competitor and gym owner. Yeah. I, I have the ability to kind of bro up to them. Yeah and ask them quite honestly, like, how is your life? 
drop the bullshit. Like, I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how many women you fuck. I don't care what your car looks like or what your house looks like. How are you? And that question has the ability to penetrate them and penetrate their ego and their conventional programming and all the patterning and say, really? Well, the evidence actually shows a little bit different that your relationships aren't that good, that you actually may be longing for an intimacy that you're scared of that you're very, very powerful in the external 3D world. But brother, you're like a, a scared little three-year-old when I ask you about your heart. Yeah. So it really requires simply, a, this is the word, Bell, and for everybody listening to this, it requires a willingness. Yes. It requires going, wait a minute, I, I think there's more. And it's such a cliche, like you've heard this a million times. We see it with, with uh, celebrities. Like how many guys have it all, have the seven figure income, have the 5,000 square foot house, have the model wife and the 2.5 kids and the, you know, the Porsche and the Mercedes and the driveway. And yet they're fucking miserable. Yeah. Yet they're drinking six nights a week. Yet they're having an affair with their secretary. They have a small Coke habit, right? Whatever it may be. It's like the crack in their, in their identity is showing in behaviors that they're not proud of, or it's showing in the shadow behaviors. So it really becomes that it's, it's, Hey guys, uh, I'm, first of all, I'm going to show you a different way. I'm just going to describe it to you. Imagine waking up and feeling good in your body. Imagine having a relationship that's based on something other than ego and surface level. Like this is the word I'll use. It's nourishment. Yes. Right? Like so many guys have built empires on McDonald's. Yeah. And they've built their relationships on just like M&Ms, like just shit. Yeah. And intuitively they know. Like intuitively it's like, hey man, do you realize that that plate of M&Ms is not as nutritious as that chicken salad? You do. Okay, guess what? Your relationship right now, that's the bowl of M&Ms. It's surface level, it's, it's yum, it looks good, but you're gonna fucking starve to death or you're gonna have scurvy here in two years. Oh, actually you do have scurvy because you and your wife aren't having sex. Your kids aren't talking to you. You're stealing from your company. You know, you're, you're going out at lunch and like banging a hooker. Like there's some, there's always evidence or you're depressed, you're anxious. You need medication to get through the day. And I'm not poo-pooing anyone who actually has uh, a mental challenge or a mental illness. But for a lot of people, it's just your life isn't working. Yeah. Or there's a huge discrepancy about what's public and what's private. Right? I eat the same things that you'll see me eating on Instagram. I I work out the same way I do when there's not a camera on me. My relationship is exactly the way it is on paper as it is behind the scenes. So that's the, that's the way I I get these guys. And by get, I mean, just like show them a different way, but I'll tell you Bell, So, so many men are starving. Yeah. And they, they know it. And yet it's, it's, those are the ones who helped me build the thing from the beginning. Cause they were just like, I I need this. I know I need this. I'm miserable. Like I've never heard anybody talk like you. I've never read anything like this. I didn't know this was possible but I knew I needed it before I knew I needed it. Yeah. Like those are the guys that that was my initial 150 guys. Then it was like, Oh, 
I talked to my buddy and, and he's just like, he's got 1% curiosity about why he doesn't feel connected to his wife. All right, cool. Bring him in. Let's talk about it. Hey, how, how are you with, how are you with relational aspects? How are you with attachment? How are you with making contact? How are you with intimacy? What are you scared of? What's your biggest fear in your marriage? How's your sex life? Cool. Where were you shamed about sex as a kid? What's your upbringing? What's your relationship to your parents? Oh, okay. Well, what do you know? I hate to break it to you, bro, but you're not that unique. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and yeah. Welcome to being human. Yeah. Oh my God, yes. But the challenge for so many men, this is, uh, you know, I'm stealing a line from my buddy, Connor Beaton, who runs Man Talks. Like this yeah. was his sentence that the first rule of man club is that we don't talk about man club. So even this weekend, I have 25 guys in a house. And after the initial opening circle, where I asked them like, hey, what brought you here? I asked every single one, who can identify with something someone else said here? Every fucking hand goes up. Who can identify with most of the things that someone said here as to why they're here? Every fucking hand goes up, right? Who thought they were gonna be the only one who had this issue? every fucking hand goes up wow so that's why it's like we this is how how do how did i build this thing men model by looking at other men or men learn by modeling we we go oh wait a minute john over there seems to be doing pretty good let me do the things that john does right like oh and, when, and i didn't do this on purpose bell but i quit drinking as soon as i found out i was getting divorced and I wasn't like, I wasn't an alcoholic. It wasn't, a, it just was something that I felt like was a barrier to this next evolution. Mm -hmm. And so I quit drinking and I didn't make it my platform. I wasn't proselytizing about it. I, like, I don't give a shit. Most, a couple of my friends, like most of my friends still drink. Yet I can't, I can tell you that a handful of them just quit too. And these are guys that like, this wasn't in their, they're not coaches. They're not in the spiritual world. These are lawyers and finance guys. And I asked them why. I was like, why'd you quit drinking? Like, oh, because we saw you do it. Oh. And so it wasn't, you know, like, oh, all the AA pamphlets you dropped off on my door. Right. It was simply like, oh, I saw you do it. And I saw you thriving. Wow. So really, this is why I am public and why I share openly why I'm on podcasts and why I have my guys actually out talking about this stuff, not to build my own business. My business is great. Yeah. But because we need to have a shift in the male culture. And that comes from guys looking at other guys and saying, actually, I want to live how you live. How do I do that? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you again. It's just, I hope you, I mean, you probably hear this from all the men that you um, guide and, and speak to all the time. But on behalf of women, I think I have to say thank you for, yeah. for doing this with them. I appreciate that. And I get it. I've said very publicly, like you are the recipients of our unexpressed trauma. Yeah. yeah. Like we are as well. Like we beat the shit out of each other. We shoot each other. But mostly this gets played out in the back room of an intimate relationship. Yeah. Or the back room of a dating scenario or on a first date, right? Yeah. Like all the bad shit. We're not doing it to guys who are bigger and stronger than we are. Yeah. We do it down the chain. So I appreciate that. And I have two older, I have two older sisters, right? Like I grew up in a very feminine household. I have immense reverence for women and for what you do in this world. 
you guys bring fucking life into this world. (laughs) And yet it's not, it doesn't take rocket science for me to look out and go, wow, domestic violence is this massive, massive thing that most people aren't talking about because we're so numb to it. Yeah. If you actually look at the numbers, it's atrocious. If it was anything else, we would go like, okay, wait a minute, stop everything. Yeah. Nobody's going to work tomorrow. No one's paying taxes. We, we got to solve this. And, and yet we don't because it's so intimidating for so many guys to go, oh, you know how I stop this? I go to therapy. I go to men's groups. I start hanging out with other guys who go, hey, that's not acceptable. Yeah. You, yeah. you need to handle that. And you don't handle it by reading a book. You don't handle it by making a promise. You handle it by actually sitting in a circle with a bunch of other guys and doing the work that is required, which yeah. is 99.9% emotional, 99% trauma-based. Yeah. So, so thank you for recognizing it. And I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm just, it's part of the movement, right? Yeah. And I will say thank you to all the women because you are the <laughs> message spreaders of the world. You know, when I first launched my book, 80% of sales went to women. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not surprised. Right. And yeah. now it's, it's like, it's slowly changing to even out. My Instagram following is 72% women and I get it. I understand it. And yet I can fill 25 guys in a house now. And five years ago, people were like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's just weird. Some hippie shit. <laughs> just hang out, hang out with me for a bit. You'll see. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Um, I want to ask a question for myself. Please. Um, so how do I deal with the traumas or, I mean, I don't want to use the word trauma because I don't necessarily know if that's what the men in my life have been, um, challenged with, but I guess just tapping into their emotional side because for me as a as a female it's incredibly easy just to talk about my feelings sure but to try and ask my best friend for example like how are you really feeling today i'm mm-hmm. tired my day at work is really hard but that's not really what i'm asking yeah and then when i have that conversation they ask me how i'm really feeling i'm always well
feel like I'm really angry today. Or I can mm -hmm. use words to describe my emotions. Mm -hmm. Right? You don't have the skill. This is a foreign environment. Yeah. And so it requires training. Yeah. It requires training. Just like if I took a group of women and was like, okay, wrestle. It may just, there may be less of an intuitive understanding of what to do than if I took a group of men and said, hey, wrestle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. We're just different. And we wouldn't come back to you and be like, oh, my God, like, what's wrong with you guys? That's true. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. You know, and I've used this. I set this example up all the time to help women kind of understand that they're like, oh, my husband is an emotion as emotional as I am. And I say, OK, cool. Who's physically stronger? He is. Like, well, he is. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, why aren't you? And why oh, is it, why isn't it as important to you to become as physically strong as he is, as it is for you importance-wise to have him become as emotional as you are? Oh, wow. Right? And I get it. I get the answer is, well, me being physically strong may not help our relationship. And that there's this thing called intimacy and it is the glue and the fuel of relationship. But it helps them just, I usually get the like puppy turn to the, their heads to the side look, you know? Yeah. Would like, uh, you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I go, oh, that's right. We're different, aren't we? Yeah. Okay, cool. And you could get a gym membership and hire a personal trainer and start deadlifting. Just like he can go to a workshop or hire a coach or start playing in the field of emotional intelligence, just like you could play in the field of physical strength. That's true. Yeah. Does that help? That does help. That helps a lot. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, so I, I noticed that there were two concepts in everything that you've been saying that I guess resonated with me a little bit more than like everything else so far. Um, you had mentioned how I guess like in the beginning, people have the hope um, during transition and then they kind of get stuck in that hope and they can't move into the transition because they think, you know, further down the line, I'll get better or like tomorrow I'll try to stop drinking. And I felt like when you had answered my question about how men and women are just, we're just wired differently. Mm -hmm. I have those conversations still because I hope that if I continue having those conversations, mm. it'll change them. Mm. So there's this concept of resistance that I am learning from you that I might have, that I'm resisting the idea of transition where I might just be surrounded by men who, you know, just aren't trained. And then it's not their fault that they aren't trained that way. They're, they can't help it. Yeah. So how do I, or how do I, and I guess like, other women out there who might be listening and, and thinking, well, I can change him sure. if I show him how I function. Sure. It's a great question. And I've kind of put it back to imagine if I had a thousand men or a million men who were like, hey, I'm just surrounded by women who are less physically strong than I am. Like, what do I do? Do I train them? Do I like wake up and be like, Hey, there's a barbell next to your bed. Or like, Hey, there's this great deadlifting workshop this weekend. Or do you realize that you're different? And then also for you and for women listening to this, where are these men? How do you find, there are plenty of men who are emotionally intelligent. 
Right. There's just, it's, we're a little bit later into this. We're a little bit later into the study of spirituality, connection, intimacy, et cetera, as a group, as a culture, as a, a team, like men are, right? Right. But we've also spent the last 50 years building roads, designing waterways, like getting electricity. And I'm way ahead of electricity, but you get it. Like our world, Bill, is the out external 3D world, just yeah. like why if I throw uh, most of the, unless it's a men's only workshop, it's 90% women. Just, just like why that construction site was 100% men. Our focus is external. So much of the female focus is internal. So to get to say not to have hope though, I wouldn't say that. I'd say have hope, but realize you are the exact, like if we flip your archetype, you would be the man surrounded by a group of women wondering when will they become as strong as I am? Yeah. What are they going to do? How come they're not doing it? And yet that same dude, he could go find a group of women who are as strong as he is. They exist. And there's a lot of them. They're strong, fuck physically strong women, a ton yeah. of them. Right. But are there as many as there are men? No. Right? Are there as many female Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts as male? No, but the numbers are growing rapidly. And so have hope, but here's something I'm going to throw at you too, Bell. And this is going to be upsetting to hear. It's not your job. Yeah. You know whose job it is? Mine. There's, oh. Mine. It's other men. So men learn from other men. So it's actually my job to be, and then I know this is what I do. So that's, I can say kind of in jest, it's my job. But every time I, like I have 25 guys who today, as of, as of yesterday, this morning, are gonna go out and be radically different in their, in, in their experience with and for men and women. Yeah. They now understand it's okay to tap into emotion. It actually feels good to tap into emotion. It's safe to tap into emotion. Yeah. And then here's, what, here's what's gonna fuck those guys up even more. Now they're going to require it. Yeah. Yes. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. So this is the challenge for these guys. And we tell them, this is what's going to be your challenge. You're going to go back to your buddies and you're going to be like, so you're fine. And, and what else? Like, yeah, you, you crushed it at work this, this week, but how do you feel? Yeah. And you're going to start to feel the frustration that a lot of women feel because what this whole thing called intimacy is, is nourishment. Yeah. So you're going to walk out of these conversations with men feeling like you just ate a bag of cotton candy. <laughs> like, yeah, your stomach's kind of full, but you got zero nutrients and most of it was air. Yeah. So you're going to be the ones who are now out advocating and saying, Hey man, you know, I realize that sometimes when we talk, we just give each other like our to-do lists, but like, here, let me share something with you. Last week I had this conversation with my wife and it really fucks me up because I thought she may be leaving. And I was scared and I was anxious and I was like really unnerved and I didn't know what to do. Have you ever felt like that? And that dude's going to look at him and be like, this is weird. Yeah. But here's the thing. This is why I'm saying the opening is there. He's probably going to go, you know what? I didn't know we could talk about stuff like this, but yeah, like I'm having this thing at work and I'm afraid they may fire me and then I'm not going to be able to support my kids. And so I've been staying up late at night, you know, thinking about that. Thanks for asking. Cool. Let's get back to football. Right. And they've dipped their toe in the waters. 
and they realize that they didn't die. Yeah. Like, wait a minute, I shared something emotional and I'm not dead. Huh. Fascinating. And so, so please have hope, Belle. Please have hope. Okay. Please keep, please keep requiring this. Okay. Like my buddy Jeremy Goldberg, if you know Long Distance Love Bombs, he says, when women stop dating assholes, men will stop being assholes. Dang. Right? And it's not a blame thing. It's not a shame. No. They're not putting it. It's like it's your fault. But like we, we conform to whatever is required of us. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why that, which is the power of a group. And then I'll say this again to men. It's a power of a men's group. Because when you're in the middle of a circle and, and five guys are saying, hey, that's not okay. That thing you just told us, we appreciate it. We're glad you shared it. And now that we know, we're not going to let you do it again. Yeah. All oh, right. So yeah. we, we're going to love you better. Oh. We love you so much. We're going to require more of you. And wow. you've probably never had that before. And we get it. It's foreign and it's scary and it's confronting and you're going to fucking hate us some days. But six months from now, when you've gone through AA or gone to rehab or, or healed the relationship with your wife by not cheating anymore, or you've done whatever it is that you've had to work through and we've been here the whole time. Yeah. You're going to thank us. Yeah. And that, that bell doesn't come and I don't know why, but it doesn't come really in male female relationships. It requires like, there's something about the male nervous system that requires other male nervous systems to call it shit out, to call it forward. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow, all five of you are as big and strong as I am. I better yeah. shut the fuck up and listen. Yeah. There's something about it. I'm sure it's evolutionary or it's, I'm sure it's biological. It's like, well, I don't really have to listen to any of you because I can kill you. Yeah. Like that's yeah. kind of how we walk around. Yeah. And then you get five other dudes who are like, hi, my nervous system just told your nervous system that I can crush you. So yeah. you better shut the fuck up and listen. And then you're like, oh, thanks. I think I want to do better with my life. Yeah. That all makes sense. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I can attest for myself when, you know, when some like my best friends will tell me something that they think is right. And my brain goes, well, I mean, you're a dude. How would you know? A hundred percent, right? And uh -huh. one of my girlfriends will say the same thing. And I'm like, oh my God, you totally understand. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, and that's okay. Like, I right. think we need to just get to a point culturally where we go, that's okay. And not yeah. like, oh, how come no one listens to me? How come guys in this? It's like, hey, we're just different. Yeah. Take a breath. It's okay. That's okay. Do you want the result you're after? Or do you want to fight about the process? Yes. Oh, my God. Let's go for the result. Wow. So my, one of the things that like hurt my soul, but in the best possible way, because like you said, pain is my guru. Um the greatest wounds are the ones that spill no blood. Mm. And you said that in your TED talk and I started to cry. Yeah. And I, I don't like in the moment I was like, I have no idea why I'm crying. Like I, yeah. I, I felt like things come up that I didn't know were coming up and I didn't know what they were, but I was still releasing some sort of like tension and weight mm. in my body when you said that. And and I hear that a lot from just experiences you share with the men in you, that you train and guide and, and you call them your brothers in your TED Talks. Yeah. And I think that's 
such an incredible thing to to call them because they feel like they're a part of your family yeah and it allows them to know that you care as much as you would if they were family yeah so i was i mean the greatest wounds are the ones that spill no blood how do you explain that to men who don't I mean have never tapped into their emotions before and then to accept you as part of their family as well because I I mean you're a complete stranger when you did that workshop and by the end of it they were your family yeah it's a great question you know how do I get them to believe as I share my own story yeah I tell them I was right where you are this is what rock bottom was for me like I'm human. I wake up in the morning. I have to go to the bathroom. I've had my heart broken. I've had dreams crushed. I just tell them specifically, like, I remember the day my wife walked out. I remember driving her home from the hospital after the miscarriage. I remember my business partner telling me he didn't want to work with me anymore. I remember all of it. And so that kind of, that, and I'll tell him what it was like. Like my, I threw up when my wife told me she was leaving. And so it's like that level of humanity and humanness and, and vulnerability is not the right word. It's just like, hey, guys, I, this happens to all of us. So take a breath and like feel into the part of you that's really wounded and ask yourself, is it that like you sliced your thumb with a knife 10 years ago? Or was it that in 11th grade, you really liked a girl and she laughed at you? Or that your dad told you like after your best soccer game, that you were a piece of shit and you should have played better, right? Yeah. Like tapping into that stuff. It's not hard to get them, get them there. I, I have to be a storyteller. I have to paint a picture, but really I just have to have them feel into something that they know is hurt. And it's not, again, Bell, like it feels like the surface is a mile wide or a mile deep, but it's not. Like, so for these guys to tap, like get right below the surface and tap into emotion, you would be shocked at the flood that comes out because it has been pent up for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Yeah. Right. We had a guy this weekend say, I literally can't tell you the last time I cried. I literally can't tell you. And yet he listed off trauma after trauma, after trauma, after trauma, none of which were physical. Right? He's a first responder. So it was stuff that he'd seen, houses that he'd walked into, car accidents that he was first on scene for, his own family stuff. Right? Like those are the wounds that he carries. Yeah. It wasn't the like, I broke my leg in ninth grade, motorcycling, yeah. or, you know, I got in a fight in high school, then I got my nose broken. Like, sure, that shit hurts and it, it leaves a mark, but it really is the, you know, like, my family disowned me. Yeah. My, my, I caught my mom cheating on my dad. Or cheat, like, just if we go to cheating, like, that's not a fit, you know, there's no, like, cut, there's no assault. But how many people are fucked up from cheating or from a, their parents' divorce? Yeah. Like, all of these things are the things that really scar us because we tell ourselves a story about them and then we make that story concrete. And we carry that story and we carry that story. And when I say... You know, they're the ones that spill no blood because what happens when they do spill blood? There is an actual process. The wound closes. 
Yeah. Right? So it heals. It begins to heal because it's addressed or our, our, our biology takes care of it. But with an emotional wound, it can be gaping. Yeah. For centuries. Yeah. It literally yeah. can be gaping for centuries. And so how do we do it? I think I'll say it again that there's an intuitive knowing in most men that this exists and they're just fucking scared of it. Yeah. Or it exists or they literally have no idea on how to get there. You're like, give me the three parts, three step process to feeling my emotions. And then here's another thing. They're usually terrified because it's so foreign. They're terrified of what it's going to happen. What's going to happen after. Right. Like, am I going to cry forever? Yeah. Oh, right? the uncertainty of it all. Yeah. yeah it's so new and so foreign. Like, what's going to happen here? I've, I've never even played in the zone. I don't even, I don't even know. I'm, it's not my world. Yeah. They're so foreign to it. But I'll, I'll, I'll say that men are, so, here's an, a better answer. I asked Michaela Bohm, if you know her, she's not related to me. But she's one of the my most respected teachers, a woman who's been in this game for you know 30 years, teaching men, teaching women, teaching in this space. And I said, What if you could have men know one thing that you don't think we know, what would it be? And she just boom. I wish men knew how sensitive they were. Yeah. I went, holy shit. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even realize I wasn't the answer I was thinking. It wasn't what I thought she'd say. And yet, so it's like we're giving them permission to, to feel something that they felt all along, but we're told that they can't. Yeah. So really the permission piece is how do I do it? I give them permission. And then I give them a space and I make sure that safe is, that space is safe. Yeah. And that's it. And then at the end, I close that space. And it's this whole process, right? It's this whole like open feel, get affirmation, close, get more affirmation, go to the outside of the circle holy shit, you just did it. How do yeah. you feel? And then here's the thing. They feel amazing. Yeah. Right? They're like, I, I remember my very first men's circle. I had gotten divorce papers the night before. Finally, like, so there was this whole like almost year period where my ex was like, I don't know what I want. I think we should get back together. We shouldn't. Da, da, da. I was like in this hell of purgatory for a year. And then finally, one day some dude shows up and hands me divorce papers and I crashed. Just like the, the awful, like, oh my God, this is real. It's happening. This is actually real. And the next day I went to my very first men's workshop. There's six guys. And I was just like, my, I was nauseous. You know, the worst I've ever felt in my life or, or one of the worst times. And yet I walked out of there five days later, still heartbroken, right? Like it didn't go away, but there was another part of me that had never been full that was full. So wow. it was this odd duality of like, I'm heartbroken and I don't know what's going to happen and I'm terrified of the future and I can't believe this has happened to me. And holy shit, my chest feels full. My yeah. stomach feels full. I have this sense of joy and elation that I've never experienced before. How can these two things exist together? And why the hell didn't someone teach me how to feel this other thing for my entire life? So that's how it works. Wow. I, um, thank you for sharing all of that with me. And, and I think you've helped me 
learn and realize that I need to be a little bit more compassionate towards the male counterparts I have in my life. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's such a, it's a different perspective that I have now. So thank you for that. This is why they call you the man whisperer. <laughs> you know, someone said that like two years ago and I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know? But it, it sort of sticks. I know men. Yes, you do. Yeah. And it, I think that actually helps men. It does. I mean, right. it helps women. It helped me. Sure. So sure. Yeah. Thank you for that. No, thank you so much. I, I very much appreciate everything that you do and who you are as a human being. Um, this has thank been you. an incredible, incredible conversation. For me as well. Thank you. Um, so my last uh, ask of you is to share where everyone can find you, please. Sure. I spend a lot of time. My message spends a lot of time on Instagram. And that's at Traver Bohm, T-R-A-V-E-R. B-O-E-H-M, or you can go to my website, manuncivilized.com. Uh, you can get a hard copy of the book there, but it is on Audible or a, PD or, um, a Kindle version on Amazon. Uh, so those are the main two places. I've got workshops throughout the rest of the year, stuff that I'm going to be putting on social media that's just social media. For you guys listening to this, go check out that website, manuncivilized.com forward slash the nation. Because that group, Bell, that is where the work is really getting done. Yeah. That's where guys get put on a team. Guys yeah. get taught. Like you don't have the skill. And it's not just the emotional stuff. I'm teaching them how to make more money, how to get in better shape, how to have better sex, how to live more authentic, complete lives, and how to feel. Yeah. How to be okay feeling. How to tap into that sensitivity, that creativity, that artistry, whatever it is that's in you right? Like how to have a hold of your heart. Cause guess what? You want to make more money. You want to have better sex. You want to fuck shit up in the world. You got to, you got to have a relationship with your heart. Yep. You have to, otherwise yep. I guarantee you listen to this, it will crash. Whatever you build will crumble because there will be a giant missing ingredient that you actually need. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever consider doing workshops with women? <laughs> uh, I do. I do co-ed workshops. Oh. I have a, a co-ed workshop um, in September, September, I think 15th or 16th through the 21st or 22nd with Leela Dilla, one of my great friends and, and co-teachers. We've taught all over the world together. It's here in Steamboat, Colorado. Oh, that's exciting. I'm going to have yeah. to look into that. I mean, yeah, we haven't announced it. And you're the first person I've told because she and I are still like building out the, the web page for it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I did all co-ed work, you know, with very few exceptions last year and then said, hey, I really want to last year being pre-pandemic, whatever year that was. Yeah. I didn't, didn't do shit last year. <laughs> but now, um, you know, I want to do six, seven men's workshops a year and two or three women's workshops or co-ed workshops. Because here's the deal, Bell. We have work to do separately. Yeah. And then the real power is when we get men and women in the same room, men and women who have done the work on their own. Yeah. The final piece of that work is actually, is integrated with the, with the genders. Yeah, it's so powerful. I, last year, I think, or two years ago, we had a workshop that was uh, eight men and eight women. And it was so fucking powerful. Oh my God. Because women got to see men vulnerable. Yeah. Men got to hear right, right from women what had happened to them and how traumatized they'd been by men. And it was just this brilliant healing. Everyone walked out 
with like a lifetime worth of experience and healing and, and compassion and grace. That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so again, I have so much grace and gratefulness for, or gratitude for you being on the podcast and taking the time to answer my question on Instagram and then agree to be on the podcast. Truly my pleasure. Good for you for reaching out and asking. <laughs> so um, have a good day, Traver. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.